Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. I'm Mark Price, CTO of Matrix. Mark Price, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here. And thanks uh, uh, for uh, speaking at the Big 5G event that we are recently uh, from, recently from, that we recently attended, I think is the way to put it. Still catching up um, both, on sleep? <laughs> I am definitely catching up on sleep, both in person and remotely. And weirdly enough, I still am—I uh, still lose the most sleep in person at events. Uh, I didn't lose nearly enough sleep remotely. <laughs> um, because you can just shut off your computer and go to bed and nobody cares, you know? Right. But uh, yeah, when you're, when you're in person, you gotta, you gotta see people and go eat Denver cuisine and things like that, <laughs> which I actually, I don't know what Denver cuisine is. Just omelets. Yeah. I guess, we, we ended up eating a lot of Tex-Mex. <laughs> I felt like which was confusing <laughs> well, to of, me. <laughs> I know it was very confusing. I was like, like uh, <laughs> they know they're not really Texas or Mexico. Right. <laughs> but man, they were proud of their Tex-Mex. You ask everybody like, oh, where's the good place to eat? And they point you to the Tex-Mex place down the street. And you're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I was tempted <laughs> to get sushi. And then I was like, yeah, oh, better not. We're landlocked. <laughs> yeah. You go, go even farther away. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just pick all the food you're bad at. <laughs> um, anyway. Sorry, Kelsey. Uh, uh, all right. Here we go. Uh, so Mark. Mark, sorry, I, I, as we're slagging off an entire city's uh, culinary <laughs> <laughs> habits, um, let's actually talk about Matrix uh, the software. I, I, I think one of the best and easiest ways um, to describe what Matrix does is actually to tell us what Matrix has done uh, for customers. One of my favorite examples would be uh, Visible and Verizon. So what's uh, uh, for, the, for those who don't know what Visible is, it's an MVNO of Verizon. Um, tell us how you guys uh, are involved there and what you're doing for them. Yeah, that, that is a great example. And, and, and you know, I think you're right that most people probably aren't that aware of it for a number of reasons. One is because Verizon has taken the path of uh, making it uh, a stealth marketing approach uh, for, for what they're doing. Uh, it's also the, 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 uh, the market that they've been segmenting, which is uh, for a while that stealth marketing approach was not to have any TV spots. That's changed now, of course. They have uh, finally some TV spots and creating some awareness around it. But it, it really was designed as a, a digital brand, a youth brand, a tech savvy brand. And I think for that reason, they wanted to go a different way than the rest of the Verizon uh, business. Um, so what, what Matrix is doing is essentially all of the monetization uh, for that digital brand. Um, in its entirety. And, and what is dramatic about that is in the regular Verizon, there's an entire uh, huge set of systems that are designed to support rating and billing and everything that goes with producing an invoice that's happened with every aspect of Verizon over time, whether it's been 9X and Bell Atlantic and uh, MCI or whatever part of Verizon you, you come the from. Old right? names, yeah. All the old names, right? Um, and, and Visible really is something different. Um, and it, it's um, at a fraction of the cost, it's basically supporting an entirely new experience for Verizon's customers. And, and really what that means, you know, the, the word digital may be overused sometimes, but what it means is the immediacy of actually being able to reach customers directly through the device they're using, which in most cases these days is still a phone, a smartphone. So the concept is rather new. It's rather <laughs> novel, you know, rather than having reaching customers uh, through a bill or reaching customers uh, through a phone line, uh, calling up care, 
there's there, it's, it's much more like the Amazon uh, uh, experience, which is really that, you know, the, the concept is as customers procure a service, as they uh, want something new, as they want a new feature, as they want to add friends, as they want to add family members, do something meaningful with the service. It's all done directly through the phone and directly through the service. Um, it has very high um, NP uh, NPS, very high uh, net promoter score. People love the service, very high stickiness. It actually achieves what uh, generally the telco industry has been looking to do, which is actually create a meaningful experience. And so it's not just about connectivity. When I think of my provider, I'm you know actually using them to get to something else that I really care about. But they, they, they're actually using it because people are, are thrilled to save money because it's a, a very different architecture. But they're also thrilled with the ability to actually get done what they want to get done with the service very quickly. So what Verizon's done with that, uh, with Matrix, is, is basically bundle meaningful services to people, not worrying about charging people for megabytes or gigabytes or uh, connectivity-based charges, but actually being able to provide value-added bolt-ons so you can actually purchase things that make sense uh, to the user. And again, because of the overall massive cost reduction in delivering the service, they're able to pass that on pretty significantly to those customers as well. Um, it's been terrific, actually. I think that the experience is actually so good that now they're looking at leveraging those lessons learned back on the regular brand and trying to figure out how to do that with 5G. That was that was what I was going to ask is that that, that the you know what the what the payoff of that um, that market acceptance and that knowledge was it, it was actually encouraging to me to see them running uh, you know TV ads and stuff like that because it says oh good you know they're they're proud of this and it's working even if I'm not a visible customer or a Verizon customer for that matter but if if anybody who hears this if you're not visible uh, familiar with visible it is worth um, knocking around their website and checking it out because. It is definitely, um, you know, the cell plan simplified, but not in like a horrible way. Like, like you still get to do a lot of sophisticated, you know, stuff, but it's completely in the user's control and, you know, like bringing your own phone and, you know, joining the service and, and, and the, and the fact that the billing is simplified on top of that, I, I think it is kind of that, you know, what if the phone company were run by Netflix kind of feeling. And, um, Netflix was like kind of the first company that I ever encountered where, you know, I, I got through to customer service one time and they said, oh, you know, you can just do all this on your phone. And this is, you know, several <laughs> years ago. Why are you calling so, us? <laughs> right. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I downloaded the app and sure enough, they were right. It's like, you can change your plan. You can pick, you know, put different movies in your library. You can do whatever. And it was just like, I didn't realize it was all that, you know, that sophisticated and simple. Um, and anyway, that's, uh, they're a good example there. Now upping the stakes a bit, <laughs> what are you doing for Telstra? Uh, Australia's, I think by market share, they're definitely Australia's largest carrier. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, the, the, the concept that we just described might sound simple, but actually really what it is or what it requires is entirely uh, thinking about it in an entirely new way from the ground up. Because the challenge is if you try to take a large system that is billing and provisioning and um, everything that's been done historically over the years and then try to add a digital UI to that, 
everything falls down because then what you're really doing is you're still, you know, taking a request digitally, but then you're manually taking a whole bunch of different steps or going through a whole bunch of systems. It's not real time. Uh, and, and, and operators have failed historically to do that in a way that is meaningful to customers because then what they'll try to, uh, create an order or make a change or add a feature or something. And it's not in real time. And just like your Netflix example, the great thing about a Netflix or an Amazon or any of those systems built from scratch in a microservice based way with an open set of APIs is when and anything that you want to do is exposed. So you can actually do it. And that, and that, that, that is the way that visible works. That's the way that Telstra works as, as well. So what Telstra has done now is actually they've really shaken up the, the Australian market. They, 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 they use matrix for uh, the, the lion's share of, of the customers there. And, and basically because of that real time experience, they realize that there's no reason to separate prepaid and postpaid customers in the same way that's been done historically because prepaid you know, was this niche where, oh, we need real time for these folks, you know, who may be credit challenged and everybody else, we're going to run through these batch based processes that take very long time to ever get anything done, you know, but those are our high value customers. Why don't we take the high value customers and give them a real time experience? And, and that's what Telstra has done. They flipped it on its head. So basically now there, there is no uh, dichotomy like that. They've taken all the postpaid customers and given them a, essentially a real time experience. Now, for some folks, you know, that that actually is a big change. And they're like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, they call it pay now. So it's basically like exactly like Netflix, which is we're not going to prorate, you know, these weird monthly bill cycle based things anymore. It makes no sense. There's no reason to do that anymore. Right. You know, because you're not interacting via the, your bill in, in much the same way, much like Netflix. When you if you sign up for a 30 day service, you can get it for 30 days, you know, and this is the cost. You don't have to figure out. You don't even know, you need a calculator to figure out what that means. Right. So uh, I, I think overall, again, um, actually, uh, Matrix's experience with Telstra, they, there was a case study that was published since they were actually one of our earlier customers a few years ago where they saved millions of dollars in cost by actually just simply reducing the amount of calls to care. And, and it was a case where they raised the, the, uh, the net promoter score dramatically in that same time. So they massively made people happier and reduced cost and actually gave people that real-time ability again to do essentially anything that you want to do directly via the device that they're using. The change is, is quite dramatic, especially those of us who just, you know, grown up, you know, using traditional phone company services where it's like, even, even when they're, pretty good online or they have a decent website, you always reach this point in the transaction where you hit the brick wall and they're like, oh, call customer care. Do many That's things. exactly right. Yeah. And there may be some, nothing more frustrating than that because you mm-hmm. think you're getting a digital experience, but now you're twice as frustrated because right. you spent all that time. It didn't work. And now you have to call somebody anyway. It's actually a failed digital experience is probably worse than not having one at all. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. It's like you said, you've already gotten to that kind of frustration level of I tried to troubleshoot on my own and and with what you had available online. Now I have to call you too. I don't. I don't even <laughs> like talking to my family on the phone. It's <laughs> <laughs> a generational thing, though, right? Yeah. Don't you text? You text your? Uh, do, do your folks text you a lot, Kelsey? Uh, yeah, but my mom's texts are really cryptic because she comes up with her own <laughs> abbreviations. So it, it's probably easier if I just called her. But um, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm going to figure is... out what she's trying to say. <laughs> what is L O U, Mom? <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so before COVID, I think the, the people expressed some of these digital brands in that way saying, okay, this is a youth brand, or this is a tech savvy brand. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, uh, mark s- segment our markets this way with COVID it's been with, with the, the, the pandemic and, and the changes that have occurred. I think everybody's opened their eyes to the fact that this isn't an age related thing. This is just simply a maturity thing. And and I think mm-hmm. everybody is now realizing, you know what, there's some huge advantages to being digital and we're not going back and you don't need to walk into a store to make these changes. You don't need to call somebody to be able to get the service that you need. I think uniformly now across the board, really the ability to move towards that uh, digital experience is key. And then what we think is happening, and this is really the the, the next stage of that is we believe that the the changes that are taking place now seed the ability for telcos, for operators, whoever we want to call these service providers, to basically then micro-segment their markets because what they're recognizing is as soon as you actually create a digital experience for your customers, you recognize that your customers are not all the same. And, and back to the idea that, yes, there, there is a difference, you know, based on demographic and mm-hmm. lots of different conditions, people use the service differently. That right. actually creates an opportunity to, to uh, monetize the service differently as well, which is something they've had a real hard time doing. Because if you can't distinguish the service, if it just looks like a pipe from a connectivity perspective, how do I justify charging you differently because you're using email versus you because you like to go shopping versus you because, you know, you, you do something else. You Maybe you're doing video. N- now there's an ability to actually create, again, meaningful packages for people. And I think that's that's only starting now with a lot of what we're seeing with 5G, but it's actually the, the, the next phase of what we think we're going to see, particularly because it's not just about the smartphone. We're about to see an explosion of devices that use this network in different ways. And that should create lots of new business opportunities because we're still thinking about 4G and our LTE smartphones and not really thinking about what it means in a world where so many things are connected. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And just to switch gears a little bit, also wanted to talk to you about your work with um, some standards bodies and industry organizations. Cause I know tip is weird about being called a standards body. Want to hear. <laughs> so I'll just lump them with the industry or <laughs> case you're listening tip. We heard yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> so you work with, um, you know, tip three GPP, the open core network project and the Linux foundation. That's a lot. You guys must be really yeah. busy. <laughs> That's a, that sounds like Mark goes to a lot of meetings. Is all yeah. Yeah. When you said that. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I put my CTO just, hat just on. Listing right? those. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and, and the thing that, you know, there's a reason why Matrix, I think, again, disproportionately has been committed to standards bodies, industry bodies, community bodies, right? And I, and I think it's right. It's, it's really more related to community. Uh, we're, we're, we're a big believer that the changes that we're describing can't be achieved by one company alone. I think it's really important. And that one company can't be a vendor. It can't be uh, an operator. Again, you know, what what uh, uh, we've seen from the Silicon Valley mentality, from that overall technology mentality outside of telco is it takes global technologists and embracing global technologies to move the needle meaningfully. And telco has been very poor at that because we've we've looked to a handful of 
large companies for innovation, uh, and that hasn't yeah. worked very well. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's traditionally, I mean, cable's the same way. It's a territorial business. It came absolutely up in regions. Right. It's, you know, they... it's held us back. It absolutely has held us back. And in fact, there, there are more similarities now between cable and wireless and, and wireline or different access networks, and yet they've been siloed by the approach that they've been taking, right? So, so you're absolutely right. You know, um, to take it to take a, a short walk through the the list that you described. You know, I, I think with with TIP, we, we are very much involved in what it means to be able to deliver on an open core network. We're a big believer in cloud native architectures, which are uh, API first designs. Again, they're all about interoperability and infusing open source, and then allowing for innovation by the way that systems like Matrix can interact with those systems to create new business models. I think this is all about being able to provide flexibility for, for telcos to start acting like a business. This is one of the things that I, I did speak about in, in the, the panel that I was just in around what operators are, are going to be doing around monetizing 5G. And we, we think that a, a bunch of them are going to start realizing they're going to start running it like a business and not running it like a, a, a connectivity shop you know, mm-hmm. like utility, right? What What is the real, like, um, when you say running it like a business, like when you're thinking about, you know, okay, they do, they are providers of connectivity, but what's held them back, obviously, as we're getting to is kind of, you know, the, the way in which they um, can, can charge for things, the way in which they can segment and meter and measure, you know, their own uh, uh, delivery systems or their, or that bandwidth. What, what what types of things do they end up turning into uh, businesses that maybe weren't there before? Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, this is absolutely the key, and and it, it ties into you know what we're working in with three GPP as well. So that that is for people that may not know, that's the home of five G. When you hear about five G, the fifth generation of technology, it's being created by the folks in three GPP, and that includes Matrix. And and actually, you know, we're, we feel really fortunate. Matrix actually just. Uh, um, it did something really newsworthy this past week, which is we were elected as the chair, meaning the lead for the 5G charging group in 3GPP. It's the first time that a, a, a vendor of our size or a vendor of, of any uh, size other than the very large infrastructure vendors that have dominated the space has actually been appointed to lead the standards in what char- what will be possible to be able to ch- uh, charge new 5G services. So to your point, Phil, it's a great point because operators so far have been constrained by what the network can give them to charge on. And we've been stuck with really three things. You've been only able to reliably rate or charge bill people on minutes, messages, and megabytes. And that's it. So why do you think all we get is either unlimited, which which is not particularly creative, yeah. or minutes, messages, and megabytes? It's because that's all you can reliably get out of networks until 5G. And what, what's happening with 5G, of course, it, it's complicated because a lot of us think based on the commercials we're seeing that 5G is here. Well, it's not here. <laughs> it's an evolution. And, and it, it's not like you turn it on one day and but it's here. Kate McKinnon said on the Verizon. <laughs> that's right. yeah. you know? Well, it's in New York. It's, a, it's only in New York and yeah, LA. It's, it, it's just a beer, right? You know? yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing that we're most excited about with 5G is that the, the standalone core that is coming and it's just being rolled out for the first time later this year in, in some of the operators that we're working with is actually able to deliver a rich set of new things, a new set of attributes. And those come from sources that include not only more and richer network sources. So based on geolocation, 
based on presence, based on the various different real-time aspects of the network, analytics within the network. You can also get them from enterprise sources, which is new. And again, this relates to this interaction that, that is all new for telco to think about in terms of maybe I can get something from a gaming server or from, server or from a video server or from one of my enterprise partners or open it up to a marketplace to allow them to interact with us and have those be reliable attributes or things, again, that I can actually charge on. So we may see for the first time, this is what we believe, you know, operators moving towards price plans that make sense to their users based on, yes, the connectivity is part of it, but it's the full service in combination with resources that are brought to bear. If you're a consumer, you're buying a service. If you're an enterprise, you're buying the ability to enable that service that you are offering to your customers in a differentiated way based on your needs. If you, if you need high bandwidth, that's one thing. Low bandwidth, another. High, high latency or low latency. Resilience, again. So you can tune networks. And this is, this is when we talk about things like slicing. Uh, it's all about we believe that networks are not going to look the same to everybody. They shouldn't be priced in the same way to everybody. And, and ultimately, the, the opportunity probably is with enterprise because those are the folks that are really going to take advantage of these new and differentiated needs to then turn it around and make some money as a business. Again, this is where we, we, we really believe that this is we're on the cusp of using this technology in a new way to really create new businesses, much in the same way Amazon did, you know, when it launched cloud computing. Really, you know, we think that 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 is the opportunity in the telco space is for telcos to then take advantage of offering a new platform in new ways to different enterprises to take advantage of. All right. So the instead of a cloud, you know, or computing as a service, more of a network, a traditional network as a service to whatever company, and then they have to come up with the idea of okay, how am I how am I bundling this with some kind of connectivity to deliver That's precisely it, it or whatever. It, the 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 older sort of interpretation of that had always been at from the consumer point of view of like oh okay if i want to achieve some sort of connectivity on this device or in this building or or in, or in some manner that thing whatever it is has to be on its own cell plan and i had to buy a traditional plan and then that was another you know stack of of expenses but you know, could I could I own this device, use it when I see fit, and then know that it's only that I'm only going to be billed when I, you know, enter certain premises or when I'm doing something associated with a business or whatever. That that certainly changes the game, and I think it also maybe creates, yeah, maybe makes that device a little bit more valuable too. It does, and 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 this is where it comes back to the early part of our conversation because the uh, the ability to do that is, as you've said, basically an ability to order dynamic resources that, that are related to the service without having to go through hoops to figure out, oh, first I'm ordering my connectivity, a cell plan, and then I'm going to do something with that. But that's totally separated from what I've just ordered, you know, because the business systems never have worked that way, right? So it's, it's a new way of organizing the business systems to work with, in concert, the enterprise systems and the network systems. And that's what 5G is really about. That's, that's the headline story, is you end up creating a cloud-native environment with open APIs that are RESTful, meaning from a non-technology perspective, they're web services or they're web scale. So they're mm -hmm. talking the same language as a Facebook or a Google data center, all the way across all of these partners. 
that, that it creates a tremendous opportunity now for an ecosystem that actually delivers richer value. You know, when you when you go to pick um, like what plan you want, I, I'm sure a lot of consumers are like, I don't know how much I need. And then I, I guess, yeah. in a, you know, years ago it was, OK, I think I need this much. And there was so much stress around, am I going to go over and pay overages? <laughs> Just making yeah. it like it's a simpler. Total failure. Yeah, yeah, it's a total failure in my mind. I, I, as a consumer myself, I'm really frustrated with not I, look. I'm a technologist in the space, and I can't tell you how many gigabytes <laughs> I should have on my plan. You know, it makes absolutely right. no sense, right? So, to me, I, I think that we're going to look back at this uh, chapter and, and really question why any of this stuff was priced this way. Um, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, you know, that uh, it used to be the case that you know long distance charges were different at nighttime than they were in the daytime yeah. oh, we were, right. you know, yeah. calling certain, and none of that really made any sense either. It was all cost plus, right? Yeah. So this is the way that a utility works, but it's not the way you would design a business to work unless right. you were trying to encourage people in, a, in that way. So again, this is what I think, I, I, I believe we're, we're, we're really on the cusp again of a giant change to have telcos begin to act more like a business than a utility. Yeah, that's that, that's what I think is more is, is way more interesting because you're right. The whole long distance charging and and you know charging by minutes and all that they were really simply just um, you know addressing the consumer due to the limitations of their own you know technology, their own that's business right. or whatever. Sort of saying, "Oh, you have to pay for it like this because this is how we this is how we can this do is it. how we track it and yeah <laughs> deal with it." Yeah, I remember having a a one eight hundred like MCI number so I could call home from anywhere and like using it in like Ireland or something to call my dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's the like, only way oh, there's $64 a minute conversations that you had with your, <laughs> while you were in, traveling abroad. Uh, yeah, I had to punch in so many numbers and I think I talked to like an operator at some point. Eventually was able to talk to my family, but yeah, yeah it was so stressful and confusing and yeah. Hasn't gotten I'm, I'm wondering much, too, like what, what I would like to have happen is, is like for me to not be, you know, eventually for me to not be responsible for, um, for being the, the IT guy who has to see that everything <laughs> gets connected. Yeah. You know, it's like, it would be nice if stuff was just connected and then yes, if it needed to work with your home network or it needed higher bandwidth or whatever, but I would prefer it to just come out of the box connected and then. I decide whether or not I activate it or want to pay for it or want to associate it with some account or something like that. That would you mentioned it. I think a lot more things are going to work that way. So, so what's really fun about you know predicting the future or being a technologist is we sometimes are envisioning things a little ahead of things actually yeah. happening, and then sometimes we're a little off. But oftentimes it's really exciting to see the concept is close. And I, I think exactly to that point. Again, the reason we're doing this is not for smartphones. We're actually doing this for lots of connected devices that are coming. That's glasses, AR glasses, for example, right? You know, mm -hmm. goggles, whatever you want to call them. That's uh, various different uh, connected appliances, and some are large, some are small, you know, whether it's cars, yeah. whether it's your refrigerator. Um, you know, and, and look, we can speculate on which devices will be connected. I think that's not even the point. The point is we know that men and some of them may use cellular and some of them may use other access networks. And by the way, that's OK, too, because that's still part of this 5G vision is right. to be able to enable lots of different ways that devices can connect. And then ultimately, you shouldn't care exactly to your point. We have this separation right now, it, and, and Wi-Fi had the same challenge, or ha almost still has that same challenge, which is you shouldn't have to worry about your Wi-Fi name and password. You shouldn't have to manually yeah. connect devices, even the first time, 
You know, I think right. it's still very complex for some people to figure out how to do that. And they still have, it's, it's like the, the, the flashing VCR still sitting on uh, the old time, you know, Never, nobody ever manages to set it up. So yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, for this to work, it, it again comes back to enterprise partnership from the device level to the service level to the, 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 the operator, the service provider who is engaged still in providing part of the leg of that, but then e- either setting it up, Really, I think there's two ways that we see this working based on early success. One is we're seeing people like Verizon, actually, that are doing enterprise partnerships. So they're already working in venues, in stadiums, uh, with a number of content companies, whether it's gaming and others, to enable services. And that that's right. an active partnership. But then we see a lot of enterprise marketplace concepts evolving. And we're, we're doing catalyst projects, actually, in one of the other ones uh, uh, that uh, you mentioned, Kelsey, which is actually with uh, uh, TM Forum, we're doing... Uh, what they call catalyst projects, which are proof of concepts with Verizon in one and with uh, Telfonica uh, in, in another one. And what the concept is, is create an enterprise marketplace where various different businesses can actually come and order service in a digital way, much like we do with Visible. So if you're a business, again, this comes back to the Amazon sort of uh, vision, right, With for cloud computing. If you're yeah. a business, you should be able to log on Order, click, click, click. Here's what I need for my business. My business might be temporal. I might be setting it up for two hours, you know, for a convention or, or uh, like uh, we just had with, yeah. uh, you know, uh, in, in, in Denver. Or it could be a construction site. Again, it could be two weeks. You know, it could be a mining site. It could be anything that you want to stand up for some period of time as a pop up and tear it down. And you might you're not provisioning something necessarily for years on end or even months on end. Right. This is the, the new concept. I just need connectivity to my uh, my my media uh, room pop up uh, brewery that I've turned on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that, that only operates uh, between the hours of uh, whenever <laughs> the last speakers stop talking and whenever our deadline is. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just working on in my mind a, like a pop up coffee shop in my neighborhood. How that's going to ah, work? So. I'll yes. get back to you guys on that. Creating new businesses, I think that's a fantastic you idea. Can, yeah. It could be one that's powered by the bikes that people, where you get all your friends on the yeah. same bike. All the Pelotoners. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. I'll be right I back with that business plan. <laughs> <laughs> we will make sure you're connected. And uh, uh, Mark Price from Matrix Software, thanks so much for uh, for being on the podcast. And thanks for speaking at the Big 5G event. Really uh, glad to have you there. Really a pleasure speaking with you both. <laughs> <laughs>